Welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. This is a podcast to help men become more fully alive by doing life together. My name's Robbie Angle. I am here with Lee Rogers. As always, we work here at North Point Community Church with adult groups, married groups, men's groups. This podcast is for you guys who are wise enough and intentional enough to leverage relationships intentionally with each other through community groups to become better men, to become more fully alive. And today we're going to jump into the topic of money because the Bible talks about it way more than we talk about it in community, in groups. But before we jump into there, I wanted to start thinking, Lee, if you had 10, 15 grand to spend irresponsibly, you can't be a good steward. Does anything come to mind? Yeah, something. lots of things come to <laughs> mind for me. I want a lot of things, and $10,000 would help me get a lot of things. Um, as I thought about this question, the first thing that comes to mind for me is experience. Like, hmm. I think, um, you know, beach on an island in the Caribbean um, with my wife, whatever. No kids. Um, just You're just cool, taking Holland. Uh, You're getting one of those amazing. cabanas. Yeah. 5000 for the babysitter, 5000 for us. Up. It's done. That's what's up. That's good. What about 100 bucks? If you had uh, to blow 100 bucks today on yourself. Yeah, anything 100 come bucks to mind? Is, a little, is a little trickier for me. I don't know what you can buy super cool for $100. Um, so I thought experience again, like, you know, if my wife and I just went to a, a semi nice dinner for a hundred dollars or like, what if we went to the gun range? How much does that cost? Can we did, go to the gun did range? Did you have a fight with Holland last night or something? <laughs> Are you just trying to suck up and I just want to hang out with my oh, wife and spend money on You us. know what, Robbie? I think about my wife sometimes. <laughs> it's awesome. That's good. That's good. All right. So I got an idea. Five, 15, 10, 15 grand. Easy. Polaris slingshot. That three wheel five speed two wheels in the front one wheel in the back yeah i've been i've been lusting over that thing for what is it about that i just open top you know like uh, my wife won't let me have a motorcycle because i'll die and i've got six kids yeah that feels like a nice hybrid get a little rush top down so yeah i think they're about 15 grand used now i've been looking yeah sometimes at night when i'm not supposed to Scrolling eBay motors, you know, doing the dream. Hundred bucks I'd buy Drifting. Apple AirPods. I've been watching you with those. AirPods. AirPods. Yeah. Those things. Are those about a hundred bucks? They're I think they're just a little over a hundred bucks. I got them mm. for a gift, so I don't really know, but they are fantastic. I'm a huge fan. Really? I'm not endorsing a product. I'm just yep. saying I go hands free in the car and the AirPods are a big part of that. That's good. So Money, we're going to jump into this topic with Steven in a few minutes, but um, there's a lot to talk. We could have an entire podcast. There might be some people out there who do this for a living, entire podcasts on money, but we're going to give it one podcast. (laughs) Um, When thinking about your view on money, a lot of us are shaped by where we came from, our experiences. Um, Do any stories pop out in your life that have shaped your perspective on money and finances? Yeah. Definitely. The The first thing that comes to mind is, I don't know why, but the idea that at a party, there's three topics you avoid, hmm. religion, politics, and money. Yeah. So we're going to talk, we're not going to talk about religion and politics today, no. No. Um, but we're going to talk about one of those taboo subjects. It's so weird how it's taboo. It is weird. We'll jump into why, but 
yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely jump into why but that wasn't um, my question lee well yeah it's a good question still so <laughs> what comes to mind for me is i spent half my life um you know thinking like every kid and growing up you you think your family is the way everybody's family is but there was a point i realized that my family was just po like mm. we didn't have any money growing up and it just never occurred to me we just like when i first started hearing about kids going someplace on spring break i was like wait what that's a thing yeah. people do that or going on a ski trip in the winter I, it just blew my mind. Like, I didn't even know that was an option. How old were you when you realized you were different? Probably as a late middle school. Gotcha. Late middle school, right when insecurity is just ready to set in. So, yep. yeah, I'm sure some of the beliefs I formed around that were, yeah, forming that I carry now. What That's about awesome. you? Yeah, two stand out. When I was in eighth grade, similar age, uh, my dad, he was an attorney, probably made 150 grand as a partner in a law firm. And he felt a call to transition into ministry. So he took four kids uh, down to Florida to make 50 grand, something like that, uh, working for Young Life. So w we talked a lot about it. I was a pretty curious eighth grader. And going from 150 to 50 is so countercultural. Yeah. Uh, and it was wild talking to him going, God's going to provide. And watching his faith in action and hindsight going, man, we've been happier as a family down here. There's no correlation between that money and contentment, happiness, and and him making statements like, you spend what you make. There's no difference. Whatever right. you make, you're going to end up spending, whether it's 150 or 50, and it's negligible differences on the things that matter, like family and happiness. And so that was kind of theoretical to a degree for me. And then my wife and I lived in northern Pakistan for about a, a little over a year, in 2005, six. And uh, the the people that we lived with and worked with, which became friends and who we did life with, they were making about a dollar to $2 a day. And so wow. we spent a lot of time in rural villages and in the mountains that they'd have six kids. They'd make two bucks a day max because I we were paying some of them and they were so content. They were, their lifestyle, uh, their enjoyment, the pace, the family nature, they were so hospitable. I mean, they grab that chicken, kill it, say, you're sitting down, hand us a cup of coffee, and just, we'd just enjoy life for a couple hours. And and it was a weird disconnect. Uh, it took quite a while. There was a culture shock coming back to the States because over a year over there, all that became normal. That lifestyle, it becomes normalized. And so when we came back, and saw the disparity between contentment and pace and peace and happiness yeah. with everybody making six figures driving or their leased Mercedes in their suburbia home and picket fence and, you know, four bedroom, two and a half bath, you know, house. It just was, it, there's such a disconnect that it was um, a, a imprinted a lasting perspective mm. between those two examples in my life that uh, has shaped a lens for me that has has been pretty impactful. Yeah, and I think we're all in it to some degree, whether we, yeah. I don't know, whether our eyes are open completely one direction or completely another direction, It maybe it really does come down to contentment. And that point of the eyes being open, we don't have our eyes open because we just it, because it's such a part of life and culture and seeps into our identity and value and worth that 
unless something forces us or encourages us to have our eyes open, we just get swept into the current of spending what we make and doing what our neighbors do and our friends do. And it becomes so normalized that we just lose perspective that um, hopefully this podcast will be a breather for us collectively as a group of men to go, wait a minute, how do I see things? Is that the way I should see things? And what is God's hope for me in seeing things through the way that he would desire me to see things in a way that would lead to more life and to more freedom as we want to be a group of men who experience more freedom, uh, especially in this area of money. Absolutely. Let's pull in Stephen. So Stephen Newland is our guest today. He is the director of Money Wise at North Point Community Church, which is a ministry to help people um, understand God's plan for their life and then set a plan financially. Uh, His LinkedIn profile says, financial literacy is my true passion in life, and I love being able to have the chance to help guide people towards financial freedom. That's like a Ramsey Jr. This guy- That's incredible. We've thrown questions at him in the hallways and around, and he's like a He's like an encyclopedia like of wisdom. And yeah, he's a financial guru. He thinks about money uh, a lot. And so we're super excited. Let's pull him in. Stephen Newland, welcome to the Fully Alive Man podcast. How are you? Good. I am pumped to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, we're excited to have you. So word on the street is you love money. And some people th- might think that's a problem. Is that <laughs> something we should talk about? Maybe, but I don't know if that's like a after the podcast thing or if that's a, we can do it now. Let's go. I'm, I'm vulnerable. I Why can talk do you about love it. <laughs> money so much? What? Well, the first thing that, that truly comes to mind is, is money more than just about any other area of our life. It affects every single thing, every single decision, every relationship. Money is at some point involved in everything. So you don't have a love of money, but you love money because of the impact on our lives. That's right. So, so I went I went deep right out of the gate. Where did this come from in your life? Yeah, I mean, it's personal experience. So, you know, I grew up in a typical middle-class family. Money wasn't necessarily an issue. I saw my parents do an envelope thing when I was younger. Um, but then life happened, and when I was in college, came out of school with about $55,000 of debt. And that's when life kind of hit me, and I was like, okay, how do, I, how do I do this? And I had to just figure it out on my own. Mm. And um, through that experience of, of paying that off, I paid it off in about four years. Um, just through that experience, I just really grew to see how big of an impact this this area has, both positively and negatively, on people's lives. So money, I, I've been excited to get you on this to talk about money because, it, like you just said, it does impact so many areas of our life. Each of us deal with it. Society has strong messages. The Bible talks a ton about it, and the church doesn't talk a ton about it. Why is that? Give us your uh, perspective on those three buckets, church, Bible, and society. Give us an overview from your lens on how they cloud the clarity of how we should see money. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I'll start from the from the church's perspective. I think there's a, a level of uh, uh, concern. I don't know if concern is the right word, but a level of we don't want to talk about this so much because there's a relationship where the church is to some degree, asking for you to support the local church. And so there's that kind of can distort the relationship right out of the gate. And there's a there's just a healthy skepticism um, from someone sitting in the, you know, in service hearing yep. that message. And that's so I point. think I think that's part of why um, it's not talked about as much, because there's a respect for that healthy skepticism, especially if you're trying to bring new people 
into faith or who have stepped away from faith, you know, and, and you see some of the the folks on TV and, and yeah. some of the big extravagant things, there's just a skepticism there. That's great. What about culture or society? Yeah. So for culture, you know, especially for men, it's viewed as a measuring stick. So I, if I have less money than you, then I am now seeing as I'm lower than you on the ranking. Huh. At least that's how I view it. Um, or, or how I think a lot of people view it. Um, and we're taught in culture that whatever I make, it's mine and I get to keep it. I get to spend whatever I, you know, spend it on whatever I want. It's mine, 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 mine. And I think we're just in increasingly a selfish culture. That's a huge point. And I've never thought about it from the perspective of a measuring stick, but as we talk about on this podcast, one of the greatest questions we have as men is, do I have what it takes? Am I significant? Am I purposeful? And an answer to that from society is connected to money. So in the same way as position, title, influence, we find our validity, significance, purpose that way. An even better societal trick for us is, what's your bank account say? How much are you making? That That's a Great thought, Adam. Yeah, and, and because it's an easily measurable thing in one number. And you can always make a dollar more. Yep. And so you're perpetually failing. Yep. Do you if, think that measuring stick in our culture, I mean, obviously slips a little into social media. And I even think of like those stickers we put on the back of our cars. Like if you have the cooler vacation spot, cooler beach sticker, yeah. it's kind of like I'm I'm crushing it. Yeah, for sure, thirty A. Yeah, yeah, 30A, you got, you're, you're repping thirty A. <laughs> the- or, or health. If you're like like my ultra marathon friend is like hundred. <laughs> yeah. Forget twenty six. Forget thirteen point. Yeah, I, I like the people who have the zero point zero. Yeah, I really I can relate to that. I really <laughs> yeah. Can. I put that for my bank account. <laughs> and and we see cars as that drive around bumper sticker. It's like this is my Mercedes. This is my That's right. Honda Accord, 1994. We do. Well, and, and think about it like this. If you, let's say you went out and got the brand new Beamer and, and you know, you're, you're going to post about that on social media. You're going to post about it on Facebook and Instagram. Yep. If you went out and got that 2004, you know, uh, Miata. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, Great Chevy car. Cavalier. Ro- Robbie would post about that. <laughs> maybe I'd be a, loving maybe it. A, would, yeah, maybe maybe Chevy Cavalier. Maybe that's I had a Cavalier. When Robbie bought it for twenty three hundred dollars, <laughs> he would post when he sold it for thirty five hundred dollars. <laughs> and that's I true. would enjoy that little Miata because I am secure in my masculinity right. to enjoy a nice driver's car of a small little yeah convertible. Like for some reason, when I was thinking about what what to say there, I meant Geo Metro, and I uh, said Miata, yeah. which yeah. couldn't have been further yeah. from the. It put us down a rabbit trail. <laughs> And pulling us back on that rabbit trail. So, all right. So that society, the measuring state, it's a huge yeah. indicator that a, that could trick a guy into seeing value, worth, identity that way. Um, what about the what about scripture? It, do you have some stats or awareness of? Because I know it's in there a ton. I've heard different stuff on. Uh, it's in there more than this, or it talks about this more than that. Yeah, I mean, there there's a lot of, I don't have the number offhand, but there are a lot of people who, who have done the digging in there and have found that by far money and stuff, money and possessions are talked about by far more than any other topic. Um, I've heard it put money and money and stuff is talked about more than heaven and hell combined, yep. which kind of blows my mind when I think about that. Why is that, do you think? I think it competes directly for our heart. And so if we have a bigger bank account, I think our reliance on God can drift further and further away. Um, you know, we can't get more time, but we can get more money. And the more money we have, that just 
is kind of breaking that that dependence more that we have on God. So God might have had an awareness, <laughs> hypothetically, that one of Satan's potential greatest tools to distract us away from faith and trust and dependence in him is through the security found in possessions or the worth or value found in possessions or income or money. And because God might have known that that's one of the greatest pitfalls potential for men, he talks about it a whole lot. Yeah. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your, there will your heart be also. I mean, that's it doesn't get clearer than that. That's right at the core of money is a heart issue. Gosh, I, I also thought of Hebrews 13, 5. I didn't memorize it just for the record, guys. I pulled this up. Uh, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, mm. because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So that starts getting into the heart connection that you just mentioned. And if I can for a second, let's con- contrast that to society and culture. If society and culture measures this as a measuring stick, contentment to some degree is the opposite of that and is saying, no, I'm okay with here. What do you mean by uh, unpack that further? So so if I'm content, I'm saying, you know, I am he- I am okay with this certain income because that's just what it takes to fulfill my lifestyle. Society always says, you need a bigger boat, you need a better car, you need a better house, you need that house upgrade. And so to me, scripture is presenting a counterpoint to what culture is really leading us towards. We know that there's not a number that leads to contentment. I mean, we have worked with guys, seven, eight figures, equally discouraged, frustrated, thinking about guys that are three-figure net worth or negative. It's so amazing to me how the culture and those lies of the next step, never-ending stick affirmation value is just around the corner. And it's the it's amazing how tricked we are, and myself included. Well, and I think about, too, I'm like, I look at, let's look at Jeff Bezos, right? He could, I mean, he, he can do whatever, pretty much whatever he wants with money. I don't know what his net worth is now, but it's a lot. Um, and yet he continues to still go to work and he continues to still buy more companies and increase the value of Amazon. Maybe that's not a financial thing at that point, but I mean, that tells you he's still, he's still out there and still, still pushing for more resources, more money. I think it's amazing that, I mean, to some degree, the, the men who are listening to this, nobody's going to be totally shocked by this information. What? The Bible talks about money. What? You know, it's, it's a touchy subject. But at the same time, it's like, I've, I'll say for myself, like I know that stuff and I still have shame around money. I still, you know, hide mm. the fact that I don't budget well and, you know, I don't, I'm not where I want to be and I don't have it all together. Do you think that, that goes back to the connection of how it, it creeps in as a stick to worth and value and significance? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think it's a... I mean, Stephen, you can um, speak to this too because of all the people you talk to, but I think it's there's a f- underlying fear that that just addresses my core question of am I enough? Hmm. We we should probably take a break because I'm starting to think about this slingshot in my head and it's losing its appeal and I don't want this to happen. So <laughs> let's take a break real quick and transition to a section we like to call yeah. Man Hacks. All right, Lee, what you got for us today? All right, this is going to seem like a mundane, just run-of-the-mill deal. You got me excited. Keep going. It's awesome. (laughs) 
I've built it up, but it's awesome. A friend of mine told me this a while back, and it's revolutionized my breakfast making for my kids. It's as simple as you don't use a spatula to flip your egg. Huh. Learn how to use the pan mm. to flip a fried egg without smashing it or throwing it on the floor, ceiling, whatever. It's amazing. I love not having to wash an extra spatula. And you're a cool dad. That's a man. Yes, there's an entertainment factor. That's do you a big also deal. do the one hand egg crack? I try. Yeah, I try that's because cool, I watch those guys at Waffle House and they're yeah, amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, we did not even talk about this, but mine has to do with morning breakfasty type stuff too. Great, so great minds. One of my mentors, Andy Christensen, we were talking. I don't know how it came up, but he said, "Yeah, dude, you need to drink a full glass of water right when you wake up." Because I'm trying to be better in my morning routine, wake up, get more stuff done early morning, because pretty much every single super successful person wakes up earlier than you and I. So I've been trying to wake up earlier, and he said, yep, you drink a full glass of water because you wake up super dehydrated from sleeping all night, and then you go straight to coffee, which dehydrates you further. And that dehydration limits your brain capacity, feeling alive and good. So wake up, drink a full glass of water before you hit the coffee. And now I can't not do that. I do huh. it before I leave every day. And it's made a difference. Seems like an easy, great man hack. Hey, thanks, Lee. I thought so, too. That's it, guys, for our section we like to call Man Hacks. All right, jumping back in with Stephen Newland. We know that this is a major deal. It affects every area of our life. Society uses money as a measuring stick, which answers our in a question of, do I have what it takes? What's my value? What's my significance? So Stephen, what do we do with this? We have guys in community listening to this. Where do we go? It's it's such a massive undertaking. Where do we start? Yeah. And I, and I think for, maybe this is just me, but I think, I think guys in general, we want to go to the practical or the strategy first of, of how do I, you know, what's, what's the game plan? What's the, what's the battle cry? But I think pausing and taking some time to really unpack the the um, higher level stuff like the relationship with money that's where the the sweet spot lands that's that's where um, if if things are off with money that's typically where the root problem is and I think what's interesting is if you look at scripture some of the most noted scriptures about money um, for the love of money is the root of all evil and for where your treasure is there will your heart be also those speak to your relationship with money not did you do a budget this month? What do you mean relationship with money? So this is kind of how I define, you know, the or how I answer the question, you know, how, how are people doing with money? It's not necessarily uh, an, a question of how much you have in the bank account, how much debt do you have, how much do you make? I look at it as, do you have a healthy relationship? Or another way to, to phrase that is a healthy balance with money. Um, obviously, Andy talks about it all the time. Give, save, live. There's a balance there, and if you have that balance intact, there's going to be a peace there with money or a healthy relationship. So give me some examples of uh, different relationships, what that would look like. Yeah, so the big one that I see, and I'll start with the savers first because this is what I am and this is kind of what I've worked through, is when we save so much, there's a level that you can save too much. Now, on one hand, it's diligent, but if we save too much, a lot of times at the root of that is fear. We're saving because we're afraid that there's never going to be enough or we're never going to be able to predict the entire future. And so we've got to just keep storing up, storing up, storing up. So that's that's one example. Yeah. Another example is on the flip side, if we're spending everything, that's just unwise. That's that's an unhealthy uh, and unwise thing to do because we know 
we know bad things are going to happen in this life. Jesus even talked about that. Bad things are going to happen. And so we need to be prepared for when that happens so that when we're prepared, we don't undercut our ability to then go help others when bad things happen. So you're saying the key is the relationship to money and relationship indicates heart of fear or trust or foolishness. It it really is indicative of the heart. It doesn't matter the money, the balance, the debt, the savings. It's more the heart that is indicative of what God cares about in scripture the most. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's spot on. And you know, the, the only thing I'll add to that is obviously with savings, if you have an unhealthy relationship and save too much out of fear, there are less consequences to that than there are if you kind of overspend and spend too much. So that is one thing to point out. You know, I, there are less consequences from one mm. versus the other, but they're still view, I, w- I would still view them as unhealthy relationships with money. Stephen, we talked about fear and trust. What about guys that uh, don't think about money as much because they're not worried about getting foreclosed? They're not worried about the fear of not being able to feed their kids. They have enough. It's just a matter of, do I get another new car or keep it here? What What's the concern there for the heart? Well, you know, I, I think about, so someone who's who's done well and has, has resources, my guess is that they've probably been intentional in at least one or probably multiple areas of their life. So they've probably been disciplined in, in other areas of their life. Why not also be disciplined in the area of life that impacts so many things, including your legacy? can impact how many other people you could help. So that's the thought that comes to mind is this is a legacy thing. And we can either choose to, again, ignore it and just kind of let culture dictate where our money goes, or we can be on top of it and be intentional with it and do good things with it. So what do we do? What is our practical step? You know, I, I need to think more about my my finances or my relationship. Like so right. first, we got to think relationship is what I hear of going, how do I view it? What's my relationship? Is it fear-based? Is it value? Am I getting value from it? And um, what does that relationship look like? What's the question you would ask, Stephen? Yeah. So the question that always brings up a lot of uh, thought is, how did your parents handle money? Hmm. And do you notice any of those habits or any of those things that how, how your parents handle money in your adult life? What's the outcome of that in men's lives that you've seen, that you've worked with, that um, have had a good grasp on a healthy perspective of money? So when when guys get this right, what you've got is a situation where you're able to fill your needs first while you know giving and being generous along the way. But the, the earlier you fill your needs, then this leaves more of your life and it opens up more of your life, whether it's time, money, et cetera, to then serve others or to use this for good, or to be open to just what God has for the rest of your life. Because when, you've, when you're good with money, maybe you don't need to have that job as much anymore, and you've got all this time freed up to volunteer, or you've got all this extra money because you're good. You've, you've set your enough line, and you've filled it up to that point, and you're saying, I'm content here. Let's see what God can do with the rest. Let's see what God can do with the margin. I think our Father loves us so much that he's going, guys, this trap will lead to discontentment. It'll lead to a false sense of security, worth, value. Let go of it. Open the hands. I will take care of you. You can trust me. And the freedom that you would receive from that just feels like something we as men in community need to talk more about. We got to help each other as men get there. That's good because what I hope you guys are saying is that 
this is really about trusting that God really does have us, that he's not disappointed yeah. in where we are. Instead of me taking my you know guilt or shame from the finance thing and then adding it to the, well, I don't really trust God that good with this either. And now it's like, wow, I, I never want to talk about this again. You know, something that's really interesting too is when we live by a biblical standard or have a, have a healthy relationship with money, people notice because culture is going hard mm. the other the other direction. Mm. And so people will ask questions and you never know how then God could use this area of your life just by what other people are seeing because money is very evident. We can see how we can see other people's relationships money honestly better than our own a lot of the times. And so you just never know who's watching and who might ask a question. You know, the two things to gauge what we value is our time and our money. It's the greatest mirror to reflect back to us what is our relationship, what is our heart say priorities. as reflected in, yeah, our priorities of how we steward our time and our money. And the biggest step that I hope for all men listening to this is that we will leverage the guys in our lives and our community to have honest conversations about this. And if you guys are meeting or talking in a men's group, what are a few questions that you think guys could use in relationship with other guys to, to unpack and understand this stuff we're talking about? Yeah. So the first one is, how did your parents handle money? It's, oh, that's good. It's always easier to talk about somebody else, uh, especially around this topic, than yourself to kind of as an easy on-ramp. That's great. The second one would just be, tell your money story or what's your money story. Walk through the different points of your life. And throughout those points of your life, which you're already used to telling in your normal story, talk about how money impacted that. And bonus points for talking about the heart, mm -hmm. what was happening in your heart during those times. Yep. The best way to do that is just avoid talking numbers. That's awesome. Third question. The third question I would say is um, to ask the guys in your community, the guys in your group, to reflect back to you what they see in your heart as they hear about your money story. None of us have... Um, aware, full awareness of you know what's going on, what we're doing, how we actually come across. So yeah, get guys to reflect back what they hear. That's great. And and I would wrap up with a fourth to say, what does God, our loving Father, desire for us in regards to freedom from our heart connected to money and finances? What's His hope for our heart if we trust Him more? And you guys, hopefully can process these with other guys. And as always, we connect, learn, and grow. And how we grow is we say, what does this mean for me personally? What am I going to do about it? What faith step is God inviting me to take? Because if we apply, if we trust God with a faith step, then that internalizes and moves us towards trusting him deeper. And this is the greatest uh, topic to be able to do that with. I'll add one thing too. In in my time doing this, I've seen that people can have every other area of their faith life checked, mm. but then there's this fist, this closed fist when it comes to money. It's one of the hardest, if not the hardest area of faith to give over to God. Stephen just That's called good. these guys out. <laughs> Let's see who steps up. So wrapping up, we ask a couple questions, final questions for every guest. Stephen, what are you reading right now? Yeah, so I'm not reading it now, but I've read it in the past year and I've read it multiple times. It's called More or Less by Jeff Shinnebarger. That's great. It's about contentment. It's awesome. Great book. Awesome. More or less. Second question we ask every guest is, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? 
I would say not to be super stressed about money, but to be intentional. Um, don't get that $25,000 student loan out. But if you do, <laughs> if you do, don't just spend it down and look at your bank account. Actually budget it and plan it out. That's good. And then as the director of MoneyWise here at North Point, what is MoneyWise? And if guys are struggling in the department uh, and need some help, where would they sign up? What would they be doing with MoneyWise? Yeah, northpoint.org slash MoneyWise is going to be all the information you need on there. Basically, we have two environments. One is a one-on-one mentoring environment where we would pair you up. Uh, if you're married, we pair married couples together with other married couples if you're a single guy, we pair you with another uh, a male mentor and you're just walking through over the course of three months in the mentoring, you're walking through your relationship with money and some practical steps on how to maybe get that more in balance. And then we have short-term groups that happen uh, a couple times a year, usually in the fall and spring. And those are nine week environments. Uh, I also have a podcast that I do uh, twice a week, just a quick little 10 minute thought on money. It's the Find Your Money Path podcast, Find Your Money Path show. It's on all the major uh, platforms. That's awesome. Steven, this was fun. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Steven. Yeah, thanks for having me. Guys, we're going to wrap up with a little wisdom from the woods, a couple minutes of sage advice from our friend, John Woodall. I was sitting with a new friend, Will Intrakin. You guys don't know this, but Will's the brains and the mastermind behind this podcast, North Point's podcast called More Life, uh, an amazing young man of God. And one of the reasons that I like being around him is he reminds me of one of my favorite verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 20, verse 5 says, The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters but a man of understanding draws them out. I love that verse. I love being around men uh, who are slow enough, thoughtful enough, interested enough to be men of understanding that draw out the deep purposes and the deep waters that are in my heart and in my mind. What about you? You're a man with purposes that are deep waters. Do you have a man of understanding that's drawing them out? What about guys that uh, relate with you? Would they describe you as a man of understanding? Are you a man that sits down, slows down, listens, is curious enough to draw out the deep waters of another man's purpose? This is so important, gentlemen. All of us have been created on purpose and for purpose. They're deep waters in our soul, and we need to be men of understanding that draw it out of others and have them draw it out of us. Think about that. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Fully Alive Man podcast. Check our show notes for those questions that talk about in your men's group and how to connect to Money Wise, which Stephen alluded to. Hope you guys have a good one. We'll see you next time.